Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses. I want to welcome those of you on the South Shore joining us live, Biloxi, all those of you on online, particularly the men uh, and women in the Orleans Justice Center. We're excited to have you guys and St. Tammany Parish Jail. Come on, can we just welcome all those of you that are joining us? Wonderful. You know, I get letters from people uh, at both of the prisons, and we are excited about all that God is doing in the prisons. Come on, Little Creek, and we just, again, just rejoice all that God is doing. He's touching people. He's changing people's lives. I want to welcome you guys to week three of our series uh, entitled The Other Side. We've been teaching, and we'll continue for two more weeks right up uh, to the Sunday before Mardi Gras, and I'll be here teaching. Uh, I'm talking about... What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you come right up to those mountains, those things that seem to be impossible to go over or through? It's, it's, it's those storms, every single one of us. We will come up against storms in our lives. Jesus, by the way, promised that in this world, you're going to experience storms. But be of good cheer, for I've overcome them. So Christ gives us a way by his spirit and by his word, that we can get to the other side. Many of you are dealing with challenges, whether it's financially. Maybe it's a health concern. You didn't see it coming and something hit you. And maybe it's you're dealing with depression or something emotional, man. And, or maybe it's a relationship issue. You thought, man, things were going well and this curveball came. And so now you're dealing with something that, 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 that is this mountain of opposition, this obstacle right in front of you. You're like, man, I, I, I don't feel like I can go over it. I don't know if I can go around it. We've been looking at the children of Israel as a, uh, as a kind of a backdrop, a story of how that they, quote, came to a moment in their life. Again, those of you that have not been here the last couple of weeks, I'll give you a 30-second recap. The children of Israel lived 430 years under the taskmaster, under the Egyptian pharaoh and the whip and they were used as slave labor. That's what they were used for. And finally, they were set free, and they left Egypt. And they were excited, and they were high-fiving one another. They were pumped up, and they came to this body of water, the Red Sea. And they were trying to figure out what do they do, and how do they get through this. And it was an obstacle. And right when they thought, man, maybe we'll go this way around it, they turned around, and they saw Pharaoh's army immediately rushing behind them. So here it was. They couldn't go forward, and they couldn't go backwards. In other words, they were in a situation they didn't know what to do. Question, have you ever been in a situation where you didn't know what to do? I know I've been there before. And it was there in that moment that God speaks, watch this, God speaks through Moses to the children of Israel. And he tells them to do four things. And really these four things are a template. Uh, There's somewhat of a somewhat of a, a grid that I think that we can use. What do you do when you don't know what to do? These four things that God spoke to Moses to tell the children of Israel are things that we can employ in our lives today. I'm going to read them to you again in Exodus chapter 14. I'm going to show you this moment. They're at the Red Sea, and God speaks to Moses. And here's what he says. Exodus chapter 14. And Moses said to the people four things. Number one, do not be afraid. Everybody say, fear not. Again, if you weren't here last week, I talked about fear. 
I've talked about how God wants us to overcome fear, that every morning when we wake up, fear's bony finger wants to point at us and tell us what we're not, what we can't do, how we can't accomplish, what God, listen, fear is both a spirit and a negative mindset. You weren't here last week. I do want to say to all the campuses, you can go online uh, and you can download the podcast. Again, we give away all the CDs uh, free as well in the commons area of our campuses. But I talked about fear not. Number two, God tells Moses, tell the children of Israel, stand still, which we're going to talk about today, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. Look at the next verse here. We'll be talking about this next week. And the Lord will fight for you, and you shall hold your, say it, peace. I want to teach you guys next week, there is a peace available for Christians, a supernatural peace. Paul talked about it in the Philippians. The peace of God which surpasses all cognitive understanding. In other words, when you should be freaked out, you feel peaceful. That's what Paul talks about. I want to talk to you about a quality of peace next week in the presence of God that the world cannot experience. This is the peace of God. And the Lord said to Moses, last thing, why do you cry out to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forth. Everybody say, fear not, stand still, hold your peace, and go forward. Today I want to talk to you about what does it mean when the Bible says to stand still. Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. When we stand still, it doesn't mean that we passively resign ourselves to circumstances. It doesn't mean that we acquiesce, that we capitulate to all the negative things around us and we just simply give up, that we wave the white flag and we surrender to our circumstances. Biblically speaking, to stand still, that is not what it's talking about. To stand still in the Bible is always an active posture of believing that God is going to show up at any moment and in any moment things are going to change. Now, I want to qualify a couple things. You and I, from very small children, we are taught to evaluate our life based upon through the grid structure of our five senses. What do I mean by that? What we see, we evaluate information. So uh, our, our eyes see something, and then we begin to tabulate information mentally, and then we begin to make decisions based upon that. I want everybody to stay with me. So we see something, and we begin to make decisions. Number two, we smell something. We hear something. We hear something. We then cognitively begin to process that information. We begin to feel something based upon what we've heard, and we make decisions. We hear We see, we smell, we taste, and our lives, because we live in this earth realm, are so governed by our five senses. Now, we live in two realms simultaneously. We live in a natural realm, but we also live in a spiritual realm. As Christians, the Bible actually calls us pilgrims. That's where our forefathers in America got the names, pilgrims. What does that mean? We're sojourners. Where are we going? Well, as believers, we're going to heaven, but we're living in two kingdoms right now. We have one foot on the kingdom called earth, and then we have another foot in the kingdom of God in a spiritual realm. Why is that important? Because as Christians, we cannot, quote, relegate our existence to simply based upon what we see. 
Because if we see something that is contrary to what God's word has said, we've got to put more faith on what God's word said than what we're seeing with our eyes. See, we don't live by, watch this, we don't live by what we see, we live by what God says. Are y'all listening? <laughs> we, 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 our faith is a supernatural faith. That's why the Bible says, and I know for some of you that are new to Christianity, it's like, this is different. It is different. Because you're living in a supernatural life. The Christian life was never relegated to a natural existence. Yes, we eat and breathe and all of that. But we have a supernatural faith and a supernatural God. And we live our lives governed by faith. That is a, it's like it's a higher plane. That's why the Bible says it this way. Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know all of you at all of our campuses, we want to please God. If I said, how many of y'all want to please God? We'd all raise our hands. But the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. See, faith, faith is trusting in a God, listen, and trusting that God is working at times contrary to what we see, to what we hear. To what we feel. So when I talk to you today about standing still and standing in faith, it's, it's, it's a different perspective. It's a, it's a different way to live. That's why when God told Moses, tell the children of Israel, stand still and see the salvation of God. Let me just tell you something. Listen, they had to understand that when they were standing in faith, trusting God's word, God was working on their behalf. You know, it's interesting when you begin to think about different men and women in the Bible, and again, people historically and even ourselves today, there's that struggle, isn't it? There's that struggle of faith. Do I really believe that God is working? Or that struggle of what I feel in my body or what I see with my eyes. And it's not to suggest that we don't give any credence to that, but there's a higher plane. There's something that we trust in that is, that is God's word, that is God's voice. We, we trust in it. We put our ultimate allegiance to that. I think about Abraham in the Old Testament. There was a moment God spoke to him and he called him a father of many nations. And here's what he said. He says, Abram, Abram, you shall be Abraham, father of many nations. That was actually a name change that God named him based upon something that he was not currently experiencing. His wife, Sarah, was barren and God called he and Sarah to have a child. And after one year and two and three and four and she couldn't get pregnant Five and six, and so he started feeling, watch this, he started feeling this pull. He started feeling insecure. Why? Because he was not, quote, manifesting the very thing that he thought that God had spoken, and he's feeling pressure. Boy, that's when we can really make some poor choices. He was feeling stressed. He's like, what's going to happen? Where's this promised job? So you know what he did? He took matters in his own hands because he put more faith in what he was feeling than what God had said. And he ended up having a baby named Ishmael. He had to go into his Hagar, his maidservant, and he had a child there. God says, that's not the one I was talking about. You need to trust me. You're going to have a child with Sarah. How about Moses? God spoke to Moses and called him to be a deliverer. One day Moses was out there and he was looking on and he saw one of his Hebrew countrymen, the Bible says, and he saw him being whipped and abused and, and he turned to the right and he turned to the left and he took the guy out and killed him. Why? Because he felt sorry for that guy. 
But that wasn't the timing of God. God never told him to kill that Egyptian. He ended up spending 40 years in the backside of the desert. Why? Because he was putting more faith in what he felt than what God had said. See, it's interesting when you look in the Bible, we, we've got to ask ourselves this question. We've got to, do, 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 do we live by what we feel? Do we live by often what we see in the natural? Or do we, do we trust in a supernatural God? And do we have a supernatural faith? Do we put more faith in what God says or more faith in what we see? I'm talking today about standing in, in faith. In my own life, I've dealt in so many times where, where there's that moment you know, you've got this obstacle right here, you got this challenge back here, and you want to, listen, I'm not, I'm not advocating a passive lifestyle. I am advocating a faith in an unseen God and a supernatural interchange with God where God's power shows up and first changes us, and then he starts to change the things around us. There's something begins to happen there. Because I'm going to tell you something, if you were a Hebrew, you would be freaked out. Did God just tell us to stand still? Does he not know what's happening behind us? Come on, are y'all with me or not? These are real people, real concerns, real fears, real insecurities. They've got real jobs, real stuff, real things. God's telling us to stand in faith. Has he not seen what's behind us? Has he not seen what's in front of us? Standing in faith is never passively resigning yourself to circumstances. It is actively trusting in God that he's going to show up in any moment. God is moving. God is active. God is working. I want to talk to you about two ways that we practically stand in faith and see God fight our battles. I do want to say just two comments to all of our campuses right now. I'm going to ask everybody to continue to read through their journals. Again, if you don't have one, I know we're halfway through. You can get one for free, uh, the books, because the teachings in there that I did, uh, they complement, augment, they supplement the weekend. They're not the exact same. Same topic, but different angles. So I'm going to ask everybody to continue, because as I teach this, I'm already thinking about what I taught during the week in those devotionals. Secondly, I want to encourage everybody, we've got uh, 964 small groups, largest small group. We have over 10,000 people in small groups at all of our campuses. Man, isn't that awesome? You guys are amazing. And I'm telling you, and I've, I've already gotten reports back. I, mean, I had one guy pastor. We've got 28 people in our group. We've got 25 in the group. People, are, people that, uh, listen, there are more people that are actually attending small groups right now that are attending in our church, although we had a record attendance last week. And why is that important? Because I think something happens when you learn the Bible in circles. Something happens when you begin to pray with one another. So I want to encourage you with your devotional and small groups. All right, here we go. Four, uh, two ways that we can practically stand in faith and see God fight our battles. Number one, the first way I want to talk to you about is that we stand in faith uh, on the word of God. Now, let me just say this. This is important. God was speaking to Moses to tell the children of Israel to stand. Moses' words, all right, those words, if you could capture those words, those words from Moses to the people, that was God's word coming to them. This is before they had the Bible. 
This is before they had the law, the Torah, the Pentateuch. Matter of fact, I was reading yesterday in my daily Bible reading, it wasn't until Exodus 20 that they got the Ten Commandments. This is, uh, this is Exodus chapter 14. So they, 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 this, this was when Moses was speaking to the children of Israel. This was God's word, his instructions. I'm so grateful that we now have God's word here that we can open up to at any time. We can listen to God's word. We can, we can memorize God's word, both the Old and the New Testament. Why is this so important? The Bible is the foundation. It is the blueprint for our lives. And it's not an issue of just standing. He didn't say just stand there, but he said stand there on something. Well, what am I standing on, Pastor? See, when I stand in faith, I'm not just standing, I'm standing in faith on something, God's word, and on someone, God himself. So the issue is not my ability to stand. It's not my EQ, my IQ, my personality. See, I've seen people type A personalities, strong personalities, buckle under pressure because of the foundation. Every single one of us will come up against situations that are bigger than us. You can't personality your way out of it. The issue is not your personality, the strength, your IQ, your intelligence, how you can scenario plan. The issue is when you are standing, are you standing on something stronger than you? What is your foundation? And the reality is when he told the children of Israel, stand. Everybody say stand. What were they standing? They were standing on God's word coming from Moses. So they were standing on the word of God in faith. It's interesting in South Louisiana, of course, we have South Mississippi connecting as well. South Louisiana, particularly on the South Shore. I'm from the South Shore. I don't say this critically, but again, we know there's a lot of reclaimed marshland, right? Not as much on the North Shore. And, and so every spring, I, I grew up on the South Shore. Every spring, we had to get mud and we had to shovel mud. I made a lot of money shoveling mud for people in the neighborhood. I'm serious. And, uh, and so, so, those, so, so those of you that are from the South, you know exactly. Why is that? Because the, because the foundations. Does that make sense? See, see, see the issue is, the, what, are we, what are we standing on? The security of our faith is not based upon, listen, it's not even based upon uh, 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 our internal strength. It's based upon this, this that I'm standing on. Interesting, I did some study this week about the Leaning Tower of Pisa. I wrote this down about the lean. This is a fascinating thing. It's a 185-foot tower, and it moves 120th of an inch per year. It's in Italy. It's now 17 feet out of plumb, out of line. What's so interesting is, you guys are going to love this, the word Pisa. You ready for this? This is amazing. It actually means you can look it up because it's on the Internet. You know I've told you this every week. Everything on the Internet is true. True, true, true. Okay, but seriously, the, you know what the word Pisa means? Marshy land. Isn't that interesting? What gives us a clue to why the tower began to lean before, to begin with? You know what the foundation is? Listen, it's only 10 feet down. You know when you go in these big cities, you see these incredible skyscrapers? You know what's incredible about it? They're so high up, but it's not just the height of them going up. The infrastructure, that thing is so strong, and it's strengthened not because of what, how it's gone up. It's because of what they've gone down before they've gone up. You see somebody's life wrecked. You see things that are spinning out of control, and we all go through trials. Don't misunderstand me. But those that go through stuff and keep going through it and come out on the other side, there's a foundation that they're standing on. Although hell may buffet them, they move through it. Why? Because of the foundation. 
There's a foundation there. You know, it's like you see that palm tree. Of course, we know something about storms, don't we? Those palm trees, man, they, they're, 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 there's something about them where the winds buff, but then, and then afterwards it, it comes back up. There's something about the foundation. There's a foundation. When we stand in faith, we're not standing on our intellect. We're not standing on our EQ, our IQ, our personality, our education. We're standing on God's word and God himself. That's what we're standing. That's strong. Super strong. I, um, I was thinking this week, I did a, a study, it's, it's a, the big fancy word, etymological. Etymology is a study of a word, a word. So if you do a word study, you study etymological studies, you study a, a word, so you trace it through the Bible. Every time you see the word stand in the Bible, stand, it's always positioned in a posture of trusting God. This is amazing. So I, I looked up the word stand, Old Testament, New Testament. And what I found is one of the classic chapters of all the Bible on spiritual warfare, I believe in spiritual warfare. I teach series on spiritual warfare and the supernatural. And well, Paul, the classic chapter on spiritual warfare is Ephesians chapter six. It's the most, what I would call the most exhaustive or conclusive amount of text together that really teach the dynamics of this cosmic battle between, between uh, the kingdom of darkness and light and principalities and powers. And Paul goes through this incredible language. In that, Ephesians chapter 6, watch the word that keeps popping up. It's like a, the head that keeps, it's like it keeps popping up. Why? Because God's got a point. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 6. Watch this. Notice the word stand. And by the way, you ought to read the whole chapter. How many times the word stand? Therefore, put on the full armor of God, that when the evil day comes. By the way, what is an evil day? This is my opinion. I personally believe an evil day is when there's two to three concerted strategies of the enemy to attack somebody. By the way, nobody gets knocked out of the game on one strike. It's usually a kid, finances, and health. It's not just one thing, you, but it's boom, boom, boom. You know what I'm talking about. There's something about a strike, two to three, four strikes. I think that's an evil day. That you, listen, so put on the full armor of God that when the evil day comes, you may be able to what? Say it. Stand your ground. And after that, having done everything to what? Say it. Stand. If you look through those verses, it's actually four times within two or three verses they talk about. Paul uses the word stand. Stand. Why is that important? Because standing is always a posture of faith in the Bible. It's not, well, I just quit. It's, it's kind of like this. I, um, my friends and I in high school sometimes, you know, depending upon where we were with cars and stuff, you know, we would, we would catch the bus. And I remember one time, and veterans, and, and we didn't all have cars, you know, 15, 16, and so, and, and so I'm catching the bus. And I'm very impatient, dude. And so you're just kind of waiting for, you're, 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 you're waiting, for, wait, waiting for the bus. It's, it, when you stand in faith, you're just, you're standing in faith, and you just look, and you know, at any moment, in any second, God's going to show up. Something's going to change. My circumstances, my life, God's moving. Things are happening while I'm standing. Everybody say stand. It's all around the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Watch, stand fast in the faith. Be strong, be brave. 2 Corinthians 1, 24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, Paul says, but as fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand. I'm standing by faith. I'm standing by faith. It, listen, <laughs> in opposition to what I may be feeling, I'm in faith. I feel this. I see this. I'm hearing this. But I'm standing in faith. 
sometimes well-meaning people, good people. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm standing in faith. I'm trusting God. Standing. Standing in faith. It's one thing to say you stand in faith. It's another thing to really stand in faith, to trust God with your life, to trust God with your family, to trust God with your, I mean, that's, a, that's man, I'm, I'm standing. Now, interesting, the word stand there. The word stand there is actually the Greek word histamine. Doesn't that sound familiar? Histamine. We take anti what? Say it. Histamine. Do you know what it means? To fight against. Do you know when you stand in faith on the word of God, God's word in you is working against any opposition in your life, any adversary in your life? The word of God is it's histamine. It's standing against it. It's working against it on your behalf. Now, I'm going to do something. You know, the Bible talks about the armor of God. And this is very powerful about the armor of God. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, talks about the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth. And he talks about your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Interestingly enough, the Roman soldier. Again, I believe all the scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. God uses, though cultural things to be able to communicate spiritual truth. So what does God do? God inspires Paul as he looks around, as he's writing the book, the, 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 this letter, Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus, the churches at Ephesus. He writes this, and he, and he uses this armory, this image, and he talks about, yeah, the helmet of salvation. Because everybody understood the Roman backdrop, right? Remember, Rome ruled the world, at least that part of the world at the time. And he says, you put the word on like the helmet of salvation, and use a belt of truth, and all of it held, and all worked together. I'm going to do a whole series at some point, and I'm going to put up a Roman soldier in the armor one day, so you can see it's just powerful imagery. And Paul gets to the shoes, and the shoes of peace. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and how the gospel, when you stand on the word, what it produces in your life. Now, what's interestingly enough, what's interesting about this is that Paul was using this, if you know about the Roman soldier, watch this, if you know something about the Roman soldier, the Roman soldier's shoe has a one-inch spike on the bottom of it. Why is that important? I'm talking about stand, everybody say stand. I'm talking about standing in faith on God's word. That one-inch, why is that so important? I'm going to tell you why that's important, because when you, when you have, listen, when you go in hand-to-hand combat, if I put a one-inch spike on the bottom of my shoe right now, and I went boom like this, so if you ran against me, and try to knock me over, you, you know, I'd probably go back. But if I had a one-inch spike on the bottom of my shoe, you think it would fortify me a little bit? Yes or no? When you stand upon the word of God, it gives you that edge to stand, and it gives you the power beyond your own human strength. Where you're standing now, there's a, there's a strength, there's a power against, listen, that adversary. There's a power against that strife, that lust, that greed. That, oh, there's a power that's standing against any satanic attack. There's a power. Why? Because you're standing on something, God's word, and someone, God himself. You're standing in faith. You're standing in faith. I want to say just a couple things about that, and I think it's so important. How do you stand? How do you build your faith? Somebody asked me this question, Pastor, well, how do I build my faith? I want to build my faith. Let me just say a statement. I want everybody to hear what I'm about to say. Don't miss what I'm about to say. Prayer does not build your faith. Prayer releases your faith. Well, what builds your faith? Romans 10, 17, this builds your faith. So then faith is built... It comes by what? Say it. Hearing. And hearing by the what? Say it. 
So prayer releases your faith, but watch this. The word of God and hearing God's word builds your faith. Listen, I need more faith. We all need more faith. Well, how do I get it? I'm just praying for more faith. You don't pray for more faith. You get into that Bible and you hear the Bible. And by the way, that's why listening to good preaching and good teaching of the word of God. And, good, and listen, and not only that, but you speaking God's word over your life. That's why I talk about promise books. The more you speak the word, the more you declare God's word, the more you say that over your life, it builds your faith. Your faith gets strong. Your faith gets bigger. Your faith gets stronger. Now, let me say something lest you guys get tormented because I know there's administrative personalities in here. You want to know when I'm going to put my shoe back on. (laughs) You didn't even hear that last point. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You guys are texting your friends. Is he going to put it back on? I'm not going to do it just to prove a point. Because you're never going to forget this message. You're never going to forget there's a one-inch spike that's going down into the ground, that you're strengthened, you're fortified against the devil. When you're standing in faith on God's word and you're speaking it out of your mouth, you are driving back the powers of darkness off of your life. I'm not going to put it on. You'll never forget this. I'm going to leave it right here. This is from Banana Republic. This is a nice shoe. I won't resold this. I'll get another one. I do it about every six months. This is it. So this is nice. You're never going to forget this message. Everybody say stand. stand. All right, all the administrative people, breathe in. Now breathe out. There it is. That's why what I was doing here before the message, you know what I was doing this morning? In my den, I was going back and forth, and I was speaking the word. Why? Faith comes by what? Say it. Hey, by the way, how does doubt come? You want to know how doubt comes? Hearing. Hearing negative things. And that's why I say this, and I say this respectfully. I don't watch the news. Because I'm not going to let the spirit of fear on that person jump on me. I'll read the news because I'm going to manage the emotion. Does that make sense? I'm not letting the spirit of fear and some edge on somebody. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to manage that because my spirit, I've got to watch my spirit. I want to keep it buoyant, full of God and full of faith and full of the, 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 the presence of God. Okay, number one, we're going to stay. I've got five minutes. Stay with me, all right? Stay with me. I've got five minutes. I want to talk to you about the second way to stand. So number one, I want to stand. Everybody say, stand in faith on the word of God. So number two, I want to stand. Watch this. I'm going to stand empowered through worship. So just stay with me. You're going to be done. Five, six minutes, you'll walk out of here on time. Everybody will walk out. Here it is. You want to stand empowered through worship. Pastor, wow, this is kind of a different issue. No, it's not. The Bible and speaking the Bible over your life is a weapon against those circumstances. a weapon. Pastor, when I go through trials... Do they change me? Yes. When God answers prayer, God is changing us first, but he doesn't stop there. He changes us. Then he starts working out changing our circumstances. Sometimes not exactly the way we thought. He always changes us, but then he starts helping you with things outside of you. But, 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 but the weapons that he gives us, number one, is the word of God. If I say the word of God. And the greatest weapon is when you speak it out of your mouth, you're putting your foot in the ground, and you're fortifying your faith. But the second weapon is the weapon of worship. It's a weapon. Maybe you never thought of that before. Worship is both for our, watch this, it's both for our communion with God and our confrontation against the enemy. 
It's both communion and confrontation. Look what the Bible says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the poor. So, so let me just tell you this. We don't fight the way the world fights. We are equipped spiritually. Oh, sure, we go to work. Sure, we do all those natural things. Of course we do. I'm not talking about just sitting around reading the Bible all day long. But... When you're in a challenge, see, here's what we don't realize. The challenge that you're dealing with is not just the challenge that you can see. There's spiritual things happening around you. Remember, you live in two kingdoms, an earthly kingdom, a natural kingdom, but there's a spiritual, and there's spiritual warfare around you. And that's why we war through the word of God and we speak the word, but we also have, we, we have a, 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 a one hand with the word, speaking it out, but we also have worship. I have so much to say on this. Do you know in the Old Testament, remember Abraham, Isaac, and who's the third guy we talk about a lot? Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, all right? Jacob, uh, Israel had 12 sons. One of his sons, don't miss this point. This is important. One of Jacob's sons' name was Judah. Judah's name means praise. You want to know one of the first tribes that they'd often send out in battle? Judah. Why is that, Pastor? Because God had tell them, send the praise and worship people out first. Can you just think about this for a moment? The praise and worship people in the battle? They're going to go out there with a the guitar looking over the shoulder. <laughs> They're singing. They got I mean, just think about this for a moment. <laughs> Why would they send the praise and worship people out first? I know some of you are thinking, hey, that's in the Bible. He makes this stuff up. No, it's in the Bible. Second Chronicles. I'm talking about standing in faith on the word. And I'm talking about standing in a posture of worship. That's a warfare position. Second Chronicles 20, verse 17. You will not, listen, when you face a crisis, I wrote this down. You don't, when you don't know what to do, let's follow the instructions God gave King Jehoshaphat. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 17. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand what? Boy, doesn't that sound familiar? Hello. So I'm standing in faith on God's word. Now I'm standing in a posture of worship. Look what he says here. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them for the Lord is with you. Listen, here's what he said. Take your position of worship. And if you read the whole context, they sent out the worship team first. And you know what the Bible says? God routed their enemies. Why is that so important? Some of you are dealing with challenges right now, and I'm telling you, you've been just trying to grit it and go through it, but you're not pushing back. You gotta push back. Push back what? Push back the darkness. Push back the opposition in prayer, through worship, and in faith, speaking God's word. One end, I'm speaking the word, the other one, I'm worshiping. Does that make sense? Hey, by the way, that's why when you get in your car, you got your iPhone or whatever, you get Pandora, you pull up the worship stuff, you plug it in, and you get your car filled with the presence of God through worship. You fill it up. Now, what happens is, I say this respectfully, the reason why some of you are depressed, you put it on 70s music. <laughs> That's depressing. That would make me think dark thoughts too. I'm serious. It's like, oh, life is horrible. I'm shrinking. Ugh. Why don't you put some Hillsong on? Why don't you put passion? How great is God and your, your car and you're singing and people think, you know, you're either a real fired up Christian or you're on drugs. I don't know. Yeah. 
So now what you're doing, I'm talking about a position of faith. Stay with me, all right? I'm telling you, this is going to help you. You're speaking the word. Everybody say, speak the word. What am I doing? I'm putting my spike in the ground. I'm standing in faith. Remember, I'm standing. I'm standing in faith is what I'm doing. But I'm believing. God is working all around me. He's working all around me. So I'm standing in faith. I got worship music on. I'm singing to God. By the way, somebody said, why do y'all put the music so loud at church again? I'll tell you why. Because not all y'all sing good. I'm, I said that respectfully. I love y'all. Y'all are amazing people. No, really. I don't either, so it's not my gift. But here's my point. So I'm worshiping. Everybody say worship and the word. Worship and the word. See, I'm standing in faith. I'm standing in faith. I'm standing. This trial, this obstacle, this problem in a, in a relationship, this thing. And I'm praying over it. I'm speaking the word over it. And I'm worshiping. I'm staying filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm staying filled with the word. And I'm moving in concert with God. I'll finish with this. Look what he says. Watch what happens when they start worshiping. They stand in faith. They're standing. Back to Exodus. Here it is. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. Stand still. Again, they're not being passive. And see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall again see no more forever. Ah, oh, what were they doing? They were standing in faith. Some of you have got challenges right now. Relationship challenges. I'm standing in faith. Health challenges. I'm standing in faith. Depression. Standing in faith. Financial. I'm standing in faith. I'm speaking the word. I'm speaking the word. My faith is growing. I'm worshiping God. I'm staying empowered by the Holy Spirit. I'm full of a word and I'm full of worship. I'm full of the word. I'm full of worship. Yeah. And now this obstacle, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Last point, don't miss this. Pastor, does that challenge immediately disappear? No. But guess what changes? Your perspective. Now you start seeing it from up here and you go, you won't defeat me. No, 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 no. My perspective changes. You're not going to defeat me. You're not going to defeat me. I want everybody to stand.